The Bible says what? The Bible says what? The Bible says what? What does this Bible say? What? Say what? Say what? What does the Bible say? The Bible says what? Well, hey, grace and peace. Welcome to the Bible Says What podcast. My name is Paul Desay, pastor of Sandy Hook United Methodist Church in Columbus, Indiana. And this is my friend, Pastor John Gibson. Uh, and I hail from Centerville, Ohio, from Living Hope Church. Hey, man, it's good to be with you today. Yeah, here we go. We're continuing today. I'm excited. This has been a yeah. great conversation. And it's kind of a different thing we've been doing since, you know, the. The first season of was that what we're calling it a season? <laughs> I have no idea what we call it. Yeah, it was good though. But I've, I've this is kind of like this. A, kind of the ending of the first season, I think, or or an interlude. Bo- ooh, that's good. Or bonus content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah for all you paid subscribe, no, yeah, I'm, right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a lot of uh, downloads. Though. We we kind of hit on that each episode. We're really grateful for all of you who listen and. We want to keep on inviting you to subscribe and share share our feeds. And I, I keep hearing stories. I just had uh, lunch with another person. I just got an iPhone uh, today. I was telling Pastor Paul that. And I thought I muted my phone, but apparently I don't know how to mute my notifications yet on this fancy new iPhone. <laughs> he finally so, drank the Kool-Aid. So I did. I join the club, man. I think I, I put silent mode on. Look, I just learned. Isn't that beautiful? That? Then the iPhone is the easiest thing that you could possibly learn. So says someone who's. <laughs> I literally was like in paralysis last night as I'm trying to figure out how to turn on my iPhone because I've been an. I felt old all of a sudden. I'm like, what has happened to me? Okay. Anyway, let's learn something new today. Would that be hey, good? Yeah. So this interlude series is the Lord's Prayer. So we're kind of going, we uh, verse by verse through the Lord's Prayer. Um, and we will resume answering questions about the Bible uh, in our second season. So if you have any questions about the Bible at all, send them our way and we will answer them. So we're looking forward to starting the new season. But today we're talking about give us this day our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. That line from the Lord's Prayer. So what comes to mind when you think of bread? Sandwiches. Sandwiches. Any particular kind of sandwiches? No, what do I feel like today? Maybe a Penn Station sandwich. Penn Station. A, I do like bologna, just plain old like bologna and mayonnaise, mustard and cheese. Are we talking about bread? I love bread. We've been actually diving through a sermon series at Living Hope for the last four weeks on the Eucharist and talking, really honing in on bread and what the bread represents and means. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this little line of this prayer because I think it just connects so deeply in the metaphor of what God is doing in the world and in us. But when you first say bread, I think sandwiches. Well, very good. Very good. I think gar- you, Paul? garlic bread. I just oh. garlic bread, man. Hey, Slathered so, in butter. So we, and- we do keto like at our house. Keto. Uh, keto, which is basically no bread, right? No, oh, I thought no it was carbs. like martial arts or something. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Look at me. Wow, that must be fun Look over at, at your house. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we – and then we cheat on the weekends. So, you know, and then we eat pizzas and stuff like that. But bread is something that I long for. I mm-hmm. – since I've been on this diet, I love bread. I you want bread. It. I crave bread. <laughs> and for the people in Jesus' day, bread was like it. That was sustenance. That's what most people ate from, you know, ate. Uh, you know, they didn't have fancy meals uh, like we do. I mean, 90% of people in the in Jesus' day were poor. So, you know, a hunk of bread was, was a big deal, you know. They didn't know where their next meal was coming from. I, I think we can't. 
we don't really or we have trouble probably identifying with the reality of what this little statement really meant for the ancient person you know for us if i want bread you know I drive down to Kroger and buy me a loaf. <laughs> but That's this right. prayer, give us this day our daily bread, our daily portion of um, life, really, in the ancient world was, it wasn't always certain where the next bread was coming from. You know, for them, it was a survival prayer that, that this found its way. It wasn't just like, give us some good bread today. It was, give us what we need to survive, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it actually... Uh, Jesus is kind of pointing backwards and pointing forwards as he says this. He's pointing backwards to, you remember that story of uh, manna from heaven? Yeah. You know, every, every day the Israelites had to go out and gather this, I don't know, what is it? That's what manna means. What is it? And <laughs> this kind of bread-like uh, flaky kind of substance, right, that would be forming on the ground when they woke up in the morning. And that would be what they ate, right? And uh, they they had just enough for that day. And there wasn't extra, you know. It's just as enough for them for that day. Well, they could and, have extra. It just rotted away. Yeah, it right? just rotted. <laughs> so, yeah, so they, it, it taught them to be dependent, right? Mm. It taught them to rely upon God for the daily bread. Yeah. Dependent. That's a really, well, two things came to mind when you said that. Dependence is such a good word. We should talk a little bit about that because we don't do dependence well. At least I don't personally. Maybe everybody else does. But, you know, we're, we're even raised from a, a very early age to learn to be independent, you know, to raise children and go out into the world and not need other people or need things. And I think it puts us in a position in, a, in our relationship with God that makes it very difficult to encounter a God who switches, switches things up as Jesus always does and says, no, actually, in fact, be more dependent, you know, but also what you said about God looking back and looking ahead. I love that, how that manifests itself in this prayer. And God is always doing that too, right? He's connecting us with the past and pointing us toward already, not yet kind of yes. realities of this part of the prayer. But I, I feel like this part of the prayer too, Paul, like can, tries to connect me with the here, like with the right here and right now. It's been a common theme in my life just lately in my time with God is presentness, you know, learning that the only thing really that is only thing really that's real <laughs> is right here and right now with you and I recording this podcast, you know, but, but this part of the prayer too, really, I think evokes a sense of give, it doesn't say give us tomorrow or next week or, and like you said with the manna and in the desert, they weren't allowed to get anything for the future. It forced them to be present with God and get everything they need in the moment. And that's challenging and profound, I think. Yeah. I think prayer reminds us of our utter dependence upon God. Mm. You know, and I think that's that's where we need to live. Like you said, in the present, we look back, we see the manna from heaven metaphor for us to say, what does that mean today, right now, to live utterly dependent upon God? Not upon myself, my own strength, my own wisdom, but on um, the Holy Spirit in the present tense. Do you struggle with that ever, being dependent upon God? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm you know, not the only one. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think there's. We live in this age of anxiety, right? Where we're needing to produce, and so we move from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And and typically, you know, prayer time in the morning, prayer time at night, 
oh yeah, God, you know, you were with me all day, but I, you know, I didn't, wasn't aware of your presence. And, and I think there's opportunities for all of us to, to realize our dependence on a moment by moment uh, basis. I think, and correct me, I'd love to hear you talk about this a little bit, Pastor Paul, but in my experience, peace, peace is something, or shalom is something that um, more and more I find I can only experience in the present. And let me explain this. Uh, for me, anxiety lives in the future. It's my fear about what will happen or what could happen. Worry is, a lot of times for me, is lives in the past. I, I worry about what did happen and how it's affecting my life. And I want God's peace to enter in, but, but the more I live in the future in my anxiety and the more I live in the past with my worry the less I tend to feel like I experience peace. And I wonder if that's because God's peace really only lives in what's real, right? Does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah. I think his peace is directly connected to his presence. And the more I live in the future of the past, the, the further away I move from the experience or the ability to experience peace, which is God's presence. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I think the, the peace is available to us in the present. Uh, and many times we bypass that uh, to to go backwards to worry or to to the anxiety of the future. You know, I think that that's that's a real thing. I think that's a real thing that many people deal with, um, and that's something I need to do better just to be aware of is the peace, the shalom that is available in the second. And you know, when you 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 sabbatical looms before you, it looms uh, yeah. looming. <laughs> I go. I love to go to the monastery down in yeah. Louisville every year. Uh, I haven't gone, of course, last year, and that's not planned for this year. But or vacations to the beach or whatever. It's in those moments where you slow down enough to realize the present. Uh, that you're not thinking of the past and you're not thinking of the future. You're living in the moment, and I think that that is the way we are to live every moment, every day. And Sabbath is is a way for us to keep grounded in that that idea of living in the present but we don't sabbath either so then you you know you're we're Double whammy. Yeah. We're, we're we're in egypt uh, making bricks and we're so conditioned for that living out in the future or in the past you know our world is just and for you listener that's maybe the challenge that you you would be feeling along with us is is that to to maybe ask God to, to help us and help you develop an awareness of when you're living where you shouldn't be, you know, and w- because we just don't in our modern world we don't do present very well. And if if it stands to be true, what this little section of the prayer invites us to, I asked somebody this question uh, this past week because they were really anxious about some like something was coming up in their future where they weren't going to have what they needed, right? And I asked them, I said, well do you have what you need right now? And they, they talked a little bit and said they didn't and all the things that they needed to have happen. I said, no, you, you misunderstand me. I said, right now, like right here with me, do you have everything you need? And they kind of stopped and thought about it. I said, are you hungry right now? No. Are you, are you thirsty right now? No. You know, do, do you have any bill person standing right next to us trying to get money out of your pocket right now? No. You know, it's interesting to me that the more you God invites us to live in this rhythm of being right. Like if I answer that question or if you answer that question, Pastor Paul, or even you listener, like stop where you are in your car right now and ask yourself the question. Do you have everything you need right now? Or and if there is deficiency to be able to say, God, 
show me how I can have what I need right now. It's again, it's that forcing to presence. And I I think we experience provision in a completely different way when we allow God to bring us back to, it just simplifies things. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Let me ask you a question. Uh, I've been thinking about this is, could it be the, the real, the reason that we don't live in the present is that we have so much bread. Mm. I mean, we have an overabundance amount of bread that we don't need to rely upon God in the present. That's a really interesting thought. So, and again, so abundance comes to mind, but I, I wouldn't use abundance to describe an overwhelming amount of bread. Because in our world, the more bread you have equals the more that the bread leaves, right? <laughs> you know, when I have more, I buy more. Or, and then that's kind of the mantra of our world. But yeah, man, that's interesting. So out of our abundance as a culture and a people that we miss out on what it really means to need to be dependent? Are you saying, so here's a question. If that keeps us from experiencing God's provision in our lives, do we need to, is there times in our lives where God, you know, and this kind of interesting theologically, where God wants to remove some of the excess or let it rot away? Maybe God doesn't do it directly. Maybe it's like the Israelites, you know, they collected way too much manna and it just rotted their lives. Ooh, there's some good symbolism there. Is my abundance rotting away and wreaking havoc upon me? Well, I mean, you know, our bread isn't ours to hoard, right? Yeah. Uh, St. Basil said, the bread that is spoiling in in your house belongs to the hungry. The shoes that are mildewing under your bed belong to those who have none. The clothes stored away in your trunk belong to those who are naked. The money that depreciates in your treasury belongs to the poor. Bread... John Gibson is God's gift to us that we are to share with those around us. That's good. But if we have too much and we try to hoard it, it just rots away, right? Well, it rots, it rots us, right? Yeah. It rots our yeah. soul, it rots Absolutely. our hearts. And then we're not dependent upon God if we already have everything we need to begin with. Yeah. I mean, just think about the amount of food that we throw away. I don't know how much food you throw away at the end of the day, the end of the week, you know, uh, yeah. cleaning out the fridge. Oh, my goodness. Right. Yeah. You could feed like, you know, they say that uh, uh, Americans throw away approximately one hundred and sixty five billion dollars worth of food every year. What do you think of that? Shocking. Two thousand two hundred dollars per household. I think we know it. Right. Mm hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, you say that it's shocking, but we know it. We know that's what happens. And I think when you're living in a culture of excess, it's hard to see the pathway out of that or if there is even, you know, it's hard to say you need to change when you have, when we have everything we need, mm-hmm. but you see, you see its effects on life and people, you know, and the rotting away of person is, it's interesting because it, I think it manifests itself in so many different ways, financial crisis. And again, with just that escalating, I need more, I need more, I need, it, it kind of convinces us of this reality that leads us to death and destruction of property and people in our lives because we, because ultimately the, th- the things that we become dependent upon, right? So we have all this excess, it becomes the God we serve, 
right? Because it's the thing providing me security, providing me safety, providing me with provision, providing me with a roof over my head. But what happens when that stuff goes away? Yeah, right? Yeah, so, I mean, it's devastating, right? For sure. And, you know, we live in a culture of scarcity where we don't feel like we have enough. So we hoard, we gather, we stockpile, you know, uh, so that we have enough just in case somebody steals it. You know, we like the gasoline shortage, people getting gasoline and putting it in garbage bags and sticking it in their car. I mean, you know, we, we live in this world of scarcity. You did that too, didn't you, John Gibson? No, I did not. <laughs> my I was chuckling because it made me rem- it made me remember a memory. You know, I have, I have three daughters and I'm sure everybody's had this experience, but when they're young kids, something about when, when we're young, our the trigger inside of us that tells that in our bodies that tells us to stop eating isn't fully developed, you know? So when I have young children, they've all done this where we have pizza or ice cream, or maybe we have pizza and ice cream and then pop or whatever. We have a special night, you know, and normally we didn't, we don't eat terribly, but as kids or birthday party or something. And invariably they would just like the, we, the, uh, What's that called? Like the barrier was kind of removed about how much you could eat. And all of my children had this experience where this ate and 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 eventually paid for it because that night I was up at 3 a.m. with a puking child <laughs> with, Whoever ate. with yeah. vomit everywhere. And then I vomit because there's vomit on me. And then Heather runs in and slips on the vomit and throws out her, you know, just to complete. <laughs> you can imagine the scene. I'm, I'm sure if you have kids, you've had that experience where your child just doesn't have the ability to say, oh, I've eaten enough. And it's almost like that in our culture. And that's the outcome of our culture, too, when we live in this excess that tells us, oh, this is good and you should have more of it and uh, promises us all these things. And then we vomit everywhere. And <laughs> it's, how about that for a mental image? Of there you go. This? Now, yeah. Yeah. So no what is God inviting hungry. us? What is God inviting us back to? Uh, let's talk about that dependence thing, because this little yeah. line, I, I, I always love to hear your insights, Paul, on these little lines of, of scripture. What do you think God is inviting us to in this? Well, I, I keep coming back to Jesus said he is the bread of life, right? Mm-hmm. He referred to himself as the bread. Uh, and so ultimately, the, this prayer is about relying upon Jesus for our everything, uh, dependent upon him and to center our lives around him, um, to, to follow him, um, to be allow him to be our rabbi and us disciples and have him teach us what it means to be dependent upon God, what it means to uh, give away and share our resources, our excess uh, to those in need. I mean, I think Jesus really showed us what this really looks like. What do you think? Yeah, just this past Sunday, we, we talked about the end of the Eucharist kind of fourfold way where Jesus, he chooses the bread, he blesses it, he breaks the bread, and then he gives it the, to the disciples. And we talked about the difference, and it's kind of another way of saying what we're talking about here, that many of us live life with from a drained perspective where we're always losing. And when you're always losing something or you spring a leak in your life or really anywhere, what's your first reaction when you spring a leak somewhere? Like you yeah, plug, try it. To plug it, right. and then you got more leaks and more leaks, and eventually the leaks... Are, are removing what's in the container and you do everything you can to, 
to hold it, and that's that hoarding thing, you know. And that, mm-hmm. but what God invites us to in this scripture, in this passage, and all throughout Scripture, is to move from a draining perspective to this reality that we were sent into the world to be spent. That was kind of our big idea that I have, you and I have been sent to be spent. Jesus says, "Just as the Father is sending me, so I am sending you." And to begin to see our lives from that kind of divine commodity perspective, that is, God gives us what we need and we trust him, we become dependent upon him, we cease to live lives where we are worried about having enough and we are experience fulfillment where we then worry less about giving away. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's about dependence, but it's also about freedom to live in these rhythms that God invites us to. Because if, if I'm dependent on God for just what I need today, and I experience... And that I think that goes one hand in hand, too. Dependency leads me to an experience of provision. Many, I think a lot of people, maybe you're listening today, that's always the challenge for me. Is I think it's a great idea. Yeah, God, I want to be dependent upon you. But if I don't have the experience of being dependent and experiencing God showing up with provision... Like I'm missing half of the equation and I never can fully trust him until I trust him. I struggle with that sometimes. Like what does it mean for me to be dependent? Does it mean not buying any more food and not paying my bills and just saying, you know, in the morning, dear Lord, give me everything I need today. My refrigerator's bare. My bank account is empty. I have no gas in my car. Please show me how to be dependent on you. Is that what that means or... Like, what does it mean to be dependent? I, I think about that a lot. With, and how do we communicate that to people, too? Sure, sure. I mean, I think it's a great question. Great question. And I, I would say we we learn how to be dependent upon God by following Jesus, Yeah. by looking at the scriptures. And, you know, the scriptures are often retur- referred to as the bread of life, too, you know. Uh, and so we, we refer to the scriptures to teach us how Jesus was dependent upon the Father, and so we follow in the footsteps of Jesus, learning how to do that as well. So I, I think that that, you know, we don't have to make it up as we go along. I think our faithfulness and our obedience to the call of God upon our life uh, teaches us how to be dependent. Yeah. I feel like you're saying, too, that when I pray this, dear God, give me today my daily bread. I'm not praying for provision necessarily in terms of how I and we in the world kind of think about it. That prayer isn't about, God, give me food today. God, give me money today. That prayer is about, God, give me enough of you today mm-hmm. to satisfy and lead me. Yeah. So it's not, about, me- it's not about my bread that I eat. It's about, God, give me a portion of you today. Yeah, yeah give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Yeah, yeah. it's good, man. And fill my, he fills me, but doesn't, you know, yeah, man, that's good. Give me Jesus today. Yeah. This is, uh, you know, when John and I do these podcasts, we have a sketch, some ideas that we talk about, but every one of them, it ends up going into different territories and it's kind of cool. So I love how that just kind of played itself out. It's God yeah, thing. The spirit leads us. That's beautiful. For sure. So, Hey, it's been a great conversation, man. Yeah. This was kind of a quick one, but it's only one sentence, and we're going to have more. How, much, how many more sentences do we have? We have, give us a day our daily bread, lead us not into temptation. Ooh, that's a good one. Does God lead you into temptation? Yep. Oh, I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about that theologically. Yeah, Does one. God tempt us? 
Because yeah. if he doesn't lead us, we're praying for him not to lead us into temptation, then does that follow that he does tempt us? But that's sure. for another episode. Yeah. And deliver so, us from evil? So, yeah. Know? So we'll do we'll do forgive us next and then uh, uh, lead us not into temptation oh, and deliver second. us from evil are together. Yep. And then uh, so that that'll pretty much wrap it up. Right. Yeah. So we got two so more. Two more. And then yeah. on to season two. Season two. Man. We'd love to have your questions. You, you mentioned that before. We're going to put in the show notes again uh, an email uh, that you can shoot those questions to, and we would love to, to talk more. I've, I've been getting some emails from listeners, and um, we're actually, the next two weeks at Living Hope, doing a series called You Ask For It, um, and we're going to... I actually asked the whole church today, we passed out little cards, and I said, I need questions to preach on, and if I don't pick your question, don't worry, because we're going to put it on the podcast. And I made every person in the church fill out a card on Sunday. I told them, everybody's got a question about the Bible, so write write it on the card. I think I got like 52 or 60-some, you know, things. So only about half, well, we about half the people plenty. gave a question, but but that's still pretty good. I tried to shame yeah. them into questioning, you know, giving good. questions. <laughs> I figure I could pull out the pastoral shame card there just to get people uh, to respond. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff, Pastor Paul. Yeah. So this has been another exciting conversation on the Bible Says What podcast. It's good to be with you, John. You as well, Pastor Paul. Well, join us next time as we get into another interesting uh, topic as we talk about forgiveness. I forgive you, Paul. Yeah, I forgive you too. (laughs) It's going to be good. I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, see you next time, everybody. Grace and peace. The Bible says what? The Bible says what? The Bible says what? What does this Bible say? What? Say what? Say what? What does the Bible say? The Bible says what?